Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. And man, finally, finally we are to the last text that we are going to be looking at in our uh, our series on biblical manhood and womanhood. Um, we, we we have been in this series for quite a while. Uh, I, I think we're right around 12 or 13 individual episodes all specifically on what the Bible has to say about the role of men and women. Uh, so obviously that in itself, and each of our episodes is right around like an hour and a half to two hours usually. I mean, so we put in we put in hours, like nearly twenty hours on this on this this survey of what the Bible says about this. So the point is, is by no means have we been exhaustive. By no means have we been exhaustive on on everything that the Bible says about men and women. Uh, but we did do a general survey of the Bible, and it, and it took us, you know, almost 20 hours of talking about it and going through the Bible. So that that just shows you the Bible does have a lot to say about this, like a lot to say about it, very explicitly. It's it's extremely foundational. I mean, God, when God created humanity, he created humanity as male and female. And the first institution God ordained was the institution of the family. One man, one woman come together and they get married, they come together in this amazing covenant of marriage, one man, one woman, and, and there's these distinct roles, there's this incredible relationship, it's an incredible thing, it's so foundational to how God created us, uh, that we have to have, we have to have a correct understanding uh, of of manhood and womanhood, we have to, we have to have a, a solid theology of this, and especially in today's world, where where the world is has declared war on, <laughs> basically declared war on what the Bible says about men and women. They have flat out declared war. We're getting to the point to where even in just a, a biblical belief on sexuality is is nearly to the point, at least in America, where it's going to be criminalized. And we're already, you know, Canada and Europe are are basically already there where where a, a biblical sexual ethic is 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 criminal in a sense. It's not only, oh, yeah, you Christians believe that. Fine, go believe what you want to believe. But no, it's like, no, you can't believe that. We're actually going to arrest you and fine you and put you in jail for saying that men are men and women are women and, and you can't be a woman trapped in a man's body and you can't be a man trapped in a woman's body and, and homosexuality is a sin and marriage is between one man and one woman. Like that stuff, you know, is actually... To the point now where beliefs like that are actually uh, being criminalized, and in America, it's soon to come. It's January sixth, so oh, if anybody, uh, you know, you're probably listening to this in I don't know a couple weeks, so it's probably going to be the middle of January, maybe the end of the January by the time this is actually published. But, but you know, you you very well know then what we're facing is as as Christians in in this country now. So. We're at the we're at the end of our series. We've done a survey of of the whole Bible, started in Genesis, went through the Old Testament, uh, went through the the Gospels and Acts on this topic of manhood and womanhood. Uh, we've been going through the New Testament epistles now, uh, and basically touched on every very you know every explicit text that talks about the role of men and women in the church and in the family. And now we're finally ending. Uh, in First Peter, and so specifically, we'll be in First Peter, uh, chapter three, verses one through seven. So that's our text. 
Uh, and I'm just going to read our text. You know, a lot of the things that Peter is saying here, you know, we've been really looking exclusively at Paul because Paul has a lot to say. We looked at some of his letters, you know, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Galatians. We will look at his pastoral epistles, these letters that he wrote to these individual men who were, uh, who were you know, pastoring certain churches, uh, Titus and Timothy. And now Peter also has uh, words to say about the role of men and women in his letter, which we have titled First Peter. So I'm going to read the text. A lot of it's going to be review, or you could say things that Paul said as well. Uh, some of it's going to be, I would say, fresh, um, fresh insight into this this reality of manhood and womanhood. So it's going to be it's going to be a good discussion. I think it'll be a good uh, a good text to end our our survey on, and then finally we'll get to application as we've been alluding to so often. We say, and we're going to have application. We're going to have application. We're going to talk about this in application, and so finally we'll get to that in the next episode after this one. But to read the passage, chapter three. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through seven. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the, contact, the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart within the with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn them, themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, so that's our text. That's what we're going to be digging into and, mm. you know, walking verse by verse and looking at specifically. Uh, but First Peter as a book as a whole, uh, Dan's actually, uh, he's been doing this 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 Bible study with a, a group of men through First Peter, I mean, for a number of, I mean, you've been in it for a, a couple months now, haven't you, Dan? No, uh, actually, since last summer. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. So quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we do. Yeah, I'm not trying to be weird, but like we 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 go verse by verse through this thing. And yeah. Some so, week, some weeks, literally, there's a lot to be said with one or two verses. So. Oh man. We're in the yeah. we're in the middle of chapter four, and we started in August. Wow, that's so, awesome. August, September, October, November, December, five and a half months, and we're in uh, like four verses, chapter four, verse 12. So, yeah. That's, that's so, awesome. So we so, spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on it. That's great. So could, would you mind giving us a, a brief introduction, yeah, sure. context, you know, about this book? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, just quick, right? Apostle Peter. Yep. Um Without going into lots of different things, let's make it simple. Early sixties, yeah. early sixties, likely. Uh, this is Peter, as we know. Peter, he's probably writing from Rome. Uh, if you remember Peter, he's an extremely uh, uh, Jewish. Let me just say, Jewish Christian, right? Like he he yeah, was yeah. the leader of Jerusalem, so he's just very Jewish. I mean, not that they all weren't, but like he he really, uh, as he writes here, he, like he quotes Psalm uh, thirty four and other things. Uh, he has a real Jewish context for how he's thinking through things and uh, writing things. And so um, with that, he's writing to Christians in, uh, you know, in the expansive area, uh, 
you know, you could say north and uh, I guess you'd say north and east of uh, Rome. You could say Galatia, all those areas there, the scattered pagan peoples who've come to faith in Christ. And a lot of them, a lot of them, really, even though he's this Jewish apostle or apostle to the Jews, he's writing to a lot of Gentiles who've come to faith in Christ. Hmm. And, and which is always interesting to me in that discussion, but he's writing. And the big, the big things there to think about, first of all, is there's, as you read through first Peter, you do find that again, he quotes the old Testament a lot. He's, he's pulling his theology from the old Testament and to the discussion we're having. And when we'll get here once again, he, He's going to refer to the old test right. old testament pattern that we've had forever and yep. it's very clear and um the other thing i think that's really helpful as you think about this though is that um he begins with really even in your first couple uh your first uh couple of verses uh peter an apostle of jesus christ to those who reside as aliens scattered okay throughout pontus galatius cappadocia asia bithynia who are chosen court for knowledge of god uh, the point in there is that this idea of being scattered, and, and you'll, there's various pictures and words here. It's the idea of being, uh, we use the other words, aliens, sojourners, uh, yeah. pilgrims. That is like yep. you are here and you reside here, but it's a temporary residence because you belong to a higher citizenry. You, you, you're, sure. you're a citizen of heaven. And, yeah. and so he's saying uh, you really have no rights here, which is interesting. There's a lot of that theme through here. And so, in a sense, kind of the age-old question, how do I be in the world but not of it? How do I live here under difficulty and persecution, oppression? And specifically, the trials and oppression he talks about in Peter aren't just the trials of life like getting cancer or losing a job, though those are serious. He's talking specifically as suffering as a Christian. like Yeah, persecution. Persecution. You know, and they, you're not liked. Minim right. Minimally, you're not liked. You know, how harsh right. it was. Were they being in prison? Maybe not. But you definitely had lots of hardship because you had the name of Christ. And so yeah. uh, with that, then, he that's that's the context for all of First Peter as he's writing. And so when we get to this First uh, Peter 3, um, he's giving instruction then. Okay, so the first whole part of the book are, are these indicatives. This is true. This is true. This is true. This is true of you. Uh, you know, you don't belong here. You belong to Christ. Uh, you're going to suffer, but it's going to do these great things in you. Uh, you are to imitate Christ, just like, you know, as he yeah, suffered. Yeah, to be holy. Yeah, be holy. There's a lot to all that. And then here's some practical ways of living out this life. The other context specific to this, then, as we start kind of, I mean, that's pretty broad, and I hope that's good, what you what you wanted, Sam. But like, yeah. But as we zero in here, then, is that he's saying, this is how you live, but just recognize that, in that world, um, we talked about it in our previous podcast, too, just on widows. Um, so there were a lot of, let's just say, in this case, there could have been a lot of women coming to faith in Christ, and the, and the men weren't Christians. And, the, oh, and their yeah. hu husbands weren't Christians. And their husbands would abandon them, as we read about in the prior, in Titus and Timothy. And you end up yep. with a lot of widows in the churches that you have to care for. And yeah. so there is this reality here that when he writes here, he's writing to these women who have come to faith in Christ, who are Christians, and in you know, and it's very clear here, like they very may, may well, and in their specific instruction is that you got a husband that doesn't know Christ. Hmm. So, mm -hmm. so how do you how do you navigate that ground? How do you live in that mm -hmm. context, right? And so, um, yeah, that 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 leads us to this 
chapter three. So uh, is there more you would want right. to explore there? Well, yeah, just yeah, a little bit more of the immediate context. Think of starting in chapter two, verse thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're in the yeah. You're in this world. You're not of this world anymore. You're a citizen of heaven. Yep. You're you're interacting and you're in, and you're living in life, rubbing shoulders against non-believers. You yeah. really are. Yeah. You're, so. Yep. Yep. And and lots of the suffering that you're going to go through in life is going to be at the hands of non-believers. Yep. Okay. Good. Yep. So. Boom. Verse thirteen. Be subject to the Lord's sake for every to every human institution, whether to be whether be to the emperor as supreme or the to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do who do good so basically hey submit to your to your governing authorities uh, you know servants submit to your masters respect them so very much similar kind of like we've seen similar esque type passages to this you know you know bond servants submit to your to your masters yep. children submit to your parents wives submit to your husbands so kind of like that this is more contextually in the realm of suffering <laughs> and persecution so in the midst of the suffering hey still submit to these people yeah um, which brings us right into chapter three. Uh, and then likewise, you have this likewise, you know, in the context of submission. Now, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands or submit to your own yeah. husbands. Well, okay, let me step back to one thing. Sam. Yeah. Just because, again, I've been doing the study on this and there's a really key part of this passage that would be worthy of preaching on its own. Uh, well, all of it is, right? But this is really important. Is First Peter 2, after he talks about these levels of authority Servants, be submissive to your masters. That's verse 18. With all respect, not only to those who do good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, and yeah. then he goes down. But here's the thing I want you to see. This finds favor, okay, if for yep. the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. See, yep. he's making this case that this actually finds favor with God if you trying to honor and respect this line of authority, this person mistreats you, but you yep. bear up under it. You go ahead and submit to it when you can, obviously. I mean, you can't violate things God's, if they're telling you to do something other than what God would be telling you. But right, but like, right. but they don't like you. They mistreat you. You could have a boss that mistreats you. There's a part yep. of it that really is you submit to that. But the key here is it finds favor. For the yeah. sake of conscience towards God, get this, it finds favor. God's with you. He, he actually gives you favor. He's actually in your favor yeah. when, you <laughs> when you endure this. And he actually then yeah. says 20. Look at he says. For what credit is it when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if, okay, when you do what is right, so you're actually doing the right thing, and yep. you suffer for it patiently, you endure yep. it. Here's the issue. Again, this finds favor favor with God. Ooh. So you're in this. So think he's writing to these Christians who are struggling and suffering and being persecuted. They're trying to do the right thing, but they're still, still, you know, being mistreated, even doing the right thing. Yep. It's not just neutral. Like you've actually done the right thing. Right. And somebody's made an accusation of you or picked on you or whatever that is. It says this finds favor with God. Now here's the example. And this leads us to three. Look at this. For you have been called for this purpose. Think about it. You have been called, okay? You have been called to suffer for doing right. That's a gripping deal. I remember early as a Christian when that gripped me. We need to hear that today. Oh, I remember as a young Christian going, wait a minute. Like, I did the right thing here. I addressed this and I talked rightly. And now I'm getting hit over the head over it. 
And God, yeah. I remember when God made this real clear to me when I read this, I, was, I studied this at one, one point many years ago. For you have been called for this purpose. Yeah. And then look what it says. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. So think about it. Oh, man. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. And they nope, made all nothing. these accusations of him. And what did he do? It found favor before God. He, this, this, oh, this, yeah. he was actually called to this. Yeah. Well, we have been too. We are to identify correctly. And then it says, who committed no sin, no receipt found in his mouth. This is 22 of chapter 2. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept, what? Entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. So the focus here is on God calls me to live a certain life. I am to live that life. I may suffer for doing that life. I may suffer for actually doing what is right. It finds favor with God. And what do I do? I entrust myself to him. Even mm -hmm. if somebody makes accusations of me, even if somebody mistreats me, because my focus is on God. Mm. See what I mean? And then yep. it says, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. You know, we were saved. We were rescued. Uh, uh, so let's jump now. For you were stra continually straying like sheep. But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Even that term, the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So you got to get that. So what's the focus of the Christian when life is really tough and difficult? People are going to make accusations of you. The first thing is to realize, like, I'm right in the hands of God, and I have actually been called to this. What? You mean I've been called to suffer for doing right? Yep. That's a <laughs> Man, think about it. And how do you get through it? How, how do you endure it? Oh, you entrust yourself to him who judges righteously. God knows the truth. Yep. God knows the truth. Whether anybody else knows the truth, even if you're convinced you, you understand it, in a lot of cases you actually probably do understand it. Sometimes you can misunderstand people's you know things going on, but you probably understand it. Nobody else understands it, but you do, and you feel alone, and you wish you could, you could tell the world, no, this is not true, or this gossip's not true, or what you people believe is not true, and I'm not <coughs> in a position... <laughs> to, excuse me, um, I'm not in a position to clarify it. I'm not in a position to make it known that, no, 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 this is not actually what happened. But you're stuck. Yeah. Well, how do you get through it? Okay? You realize God knows the truth. He will judge righteously. And he is the guardian and shepherd of your soul. Mm. That's the focal point. So when you get to three now, look at Yep. In the same way. Yep. So, see, you're dealing with a wife who's a Christian, who lives with a husband who's not a Christian, and it probably isn't easy. No, and he probably, certainly is not. And very likely could mistreat her, Yep. say things about her, mock her. Yep. Okay, okay, wife, woman, daughter of the king, sister yeah. in Christ, here's what God is telling you. Here it is. And then, boom, boom, you're into what, it. I mean, he says, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they don't obey, they're not believers, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Yep. As, and that's incredible. As they observe, listen, you're chaste and yep. respectful, you're respectful behavior. Yeah. And, and all that term, the terminology there, Sam, um, the actual words, used there so that uh, one over um, those words are um, 
uh, missionary terms. Those, those words are evangelistic. The purpose is evangelistic. The purpose is literally this missionary term that, that, yeah. uh, that, that they would be won over. Yeah. They literally would be won over by you submitting, by yep. you uh, living this pure, right life before them, this respecting them. Yep. So it's not because uh, they deserve the respect. It's not because they've earned it. It's not because they're this great husband. It's because this is this is the order. This is the the the, the system God's put in place. And even that, when you when you uh, what do I say operate, when you step into this sphere again, when you step into saying, okay, God's called me to submit to my husband. It's not easy. I don't like it. But it actually has this profound purpose, if you will. And the profound purpose is you may actually be used as a vehicle to save your husband by doing this very godly thing. Yeah. Isn't that wild? It's wild. It's so amazing. And that's the... It's counterintuitive, counterintuitive, particularly to our culture. It's so profound because not only only do we see plenty of explicit commands to that wives submit to their husbands in the context of Christian husbands. But now yeah. we also see yeah. an explicit, this is a command, like in the Greek, this is a command that, yep. Hey, yep. even submit you, you are to even submit to your own husbands, even if they're a non-believer. Yeah. Now, again, don't hear what we're not saying. That doesn't mean that if he tells you to, to go murder someone that you go murder someone like yeah. this isn't, this yeah. is again, a, 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 a Christian woman's, Supreme authority is always Christ and right. what he has revealed in the word. Yeah. So there is this reality that, hey, if he tells you to do something that's sinful, yeah, you're not going to do it. Yeah. But in day-to-day life, you're respecting him. You're submitting to him. You're yeah. you're honoring him. You're He's your head still. He's yeah. still your husband. You're still one flesh with him. Yeah. And and that's how God has created men and women and husbands and wives. And it's you're, you're still to be obedient in this regard. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and, and and like when you say don't hear what you're not saying, because I, I can just see it again because of partially the cultural thing and the pushback. Yeah, we're certainly not saying oh you live under a, a, a physically abusive situation and you're supposed to just endure it, which a lot of women do. And it's like well no, that's not it's not saying that. No, it's not saying like 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 uh, oh you just need to take it. Right. There, there's something different there in the sense of the submission, right? Yep. It's not dealing with these exceptions of abuse and brutality. Your life's or at risk. Brutality or rape or whatever it may be. There's no, there's that, but we can't get into all that now. But those are pastoral, wise, Christian counseling, pastoral kinds of things that you have to wrestle with. But the principle, yeah. the principle is still the same, was what you're saying, is that the, 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 again, the pattern, the form has never changed. No. Even if you're married to an unbeliever. Right. Exactly. So then he goes on verse three, do not let your adorning be. So this is, this is similar to, um, um, uh, why am I blanking on the text? Uh, for first Timothy two, yeah, right. very yep. similar words. Yep. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold. Ju- I can't say the jewelry <laughs> or the, or the clothing you wear. You had a little, you had um, a hard time with that word before too. Yeah, I can't. There's some words that I just can't say. And ju- jewelry is what <laughs> I have to go really slow with it. Jewelry. <laughs> jewelry. Yeah. Jewel, jewelry. Jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart 
with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So, yeah. okay, again, and this will add some further clarity. If you've been listening to this series and you listened to our first Timothy one, I was a little, I didn't spend much time on that, on the, on the, the, the verses that talked about this, this adorning, don't let it be external, you know, braiding of hair, gold, blah, 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 blah. Paul said very similar things. Uh, it's not, and, and th- this will add good clarity. It's not a prohibition. Like it's not saying, Hey, you can't wear these things. Uh, the interesting thing is that some translations actually translate the Greek word clothing as like fine or expensive clothing, but it's actually not what it's saying. It's 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 just clothing. It's just the common well, word for clothing. Yeah, and and further, there's another little thing that uh, like the NASB does in the translation, which is helpful, um, is your adornment must not be merely external. Yeah. Your, does your ESV? It doesn't say merely, does it? What should it say? That first that first statement. Your adornment must. Uh, do not let your adorning be external. Yeah, see, so it doesn't have the word merely. See, so, so this says merely external is yeah, the NASB. Yeah. And so if you get into the Greek and in the context, that makes sense. It's like that's yep. that's not an insertion of some kind of, well, we need to be culturally sensitive. That's not the point. That's It is literally meaning like like it's not a prohibition. I think that's, you said it well. Yeah, it's, it's not a prohibition. It's, it's like, it, it's like it, hey. <laughs> it's, the emphasis here is that you have this internal quality because God looks yeah. on the heart. We have lots right. of passages like this. God looks at the heart. He doesn't, you know, God looks right. at the heart. God, God doesn't right. look at the external. He looks at the heart. And so if you notice right. right above there, behavior of your wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. It's, it has to do yep. with coming out of the heart of who you are. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very obvious and then you right. behave a certain way, and then your adornment externally, it, it should not merely be that. It's it's not about that. No, it's not about that. And it, see, that's the thing. It's it's important to realize it doesn't mean that that you got to put a, a cloth sack around you and look like you're like just came. I don't know, like just make yourself look really undesirable if that makes sense like it's not talking it's not prohibiting right. wearing clothing and wearing jewelry and and you know making your hair look nice like but it's saying that if that is what you're focused on right. like if that's where you're putting your you, the, the, all your eggs are in that basket well then you got it wrong well and sam, like, sam, sam it'd probably be helpful if we did this we should have this and we're looking at the text here Verse 4 goes with that. See, it, it, it goes on to be what you just said. But let it be the hidden person of the heart yeah. with the yep. imperishable quality of a genuine and quiet spirit, which is right. precious in the sight of God. I guess we should have said that right. first. That's the point. That's the emphasis. That's why the translation. Right. Because, that's because why the those trans- outward things, yeah. clothes, you're going to get old. Uh, your jewelry is going to get is going to tarnish and, and get lost. Like that's that's perishable don't right. put your eggs in that basket right you know it's fine to dress nice and it's fine i mean yeah. and we're yeah. not we're not talking in modest here we're just talking you know you look good like <laughs> your your color scheme is right you're not wearing colors that clash <laughs> you, yeah. you did your hair nice you know that's fine like yeah. Yeah. you have some earrings in great and yeah. you put some makeup on great nothing wrong with that but if right. that's where you're if your eggs are in that basket okay well yeah. now you got it wrong because that's if you're if your adorning is exclusively external, like you're not putting any, you're not focusing, prioritizing right. your godliness, your internal character, then you have a problem. Right. There you uh, go. Yep. Let your adorning be inward, imperishable. Yeah. Uh, and what do you say? It's a, it's the gentle, gentle and quiet, uh, and quiet spirit. Very interesting. Quiet spirit. Yep. 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 
That's in those translation. And, I mean, you know, you can get into deep study, but it's it's pretty straightforward. Gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious. Again, think about this in the sight of God. Yeah, just like back what you were talking to yeah, in, verse, the, in chapter two. The, right, the focus is on God. He's my guardian. He's my shepherd. Yep. I trust myself to Him. I realize I'm going to be mistreated, but I still do, I do what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I respond the way I'm supposed to, whether the circumstances or the people respond like they are, you know, it could literally be unjust. And Jesus, yeah. Jesus is the, the supreme example for us in that. Think about it. Sinless did nothing. Mm. They hurled their insults at him. He did not revile in return. Interesting. Nope. He, kept, he kept, he literally in that setting kept quiet and didn't kept retaliate. his mouth shut. He just, he just took it. Yep. Yep. He willingly got arrested in the garden. He, he went. Yep. And he went to the cross. Yep. Now, can I say that something was... about that, Sam? Just so I don't know. Again, people are listening to podcasts. I, w- I would want to even pastorally would be the word, like caringly, realize that when we're going through a passage, don't hear what we're not saying. I could show you other passages. For some reason, I'm thinking of uh, Nehemiah right now, where they were going to make all these accusations of him, and he just rejected their accusations and went about his business of God. Yeah. Okay, so the point is, is I could make a very much of a biblical case that there are times you certainly defend yourself. You say, well, oh, no, yeah. that, that's not true. So it's not saying when somebody insults you or does something, you just zip your lip and take it on the head. Right. There is a sense in which, as it is with you, you keep peace with all men. Um, yeah. But, um, and there's times that you can de- try to defend yourself. But if you've done all you can do, and I think that's the point I was saying earlier, and I had to learn early in my my own life with the Lord, and then even in ministry, that there's times that people just misunderstand. And you can't yeah. track it all down and solve it. You just you have to live knowing that people just have a misunderstanding or somebody has a misunderstanding. So the point is, is obviously, in relationships, we do everything we can to try to... Yep. I just want to... I don't know if I needed to say right. that, but I want, right. I want people to understand because I'm thinking of a woman dealing with this. Oh, I have to take this on the head. I have to be abused. No, 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 no. We're not saying you have to be abused. And we're not even saying you couldn't look at your husband and go, I don't think that's fair. We need to have this discussion in an honest, right. healthy relationship. It's not saying that. Right. right. This is a principle of life of how you are in these relationships. You know, it started all the way back. You, yeah. you said two. But husband and wife. Wife, you have a non-Christian husband. Uh, one of the great things you can do is step into the sphere that God's created for you, which is yep. submission to your husband. Continue to do that. Let him see your chaste behavior. Let him see your kindness, your sincere heart, your devotion to the Lord. And indeed, that may be a way you reach that you win your husband Without even a word. Yeah, it's incredible. With not, without so, even, so if, even so a word. So if you actually do what you're supposed to do, you might actually find, get a lot of ground. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and it's it's in a, in a sense, it's the same principle that's carried through at the end of verse, or chapter three, where we get our giant, you know, big whammy apologetic text, but, yeah, you know, listen to this, uh, verse 13, starting verse 13 now. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, you know, the enemies, these non-believers, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. That's that word, uh, apologia, you know, that we get, you know, apologetics from. Make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's those words again. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, 
those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Right. For it is better to suffer for doing good, and that should be God's will than for doing evil. So there is there's there's reason behind this. Like yep. and and in the in the in the context of a husband and a wife, there is tremendous reason and purpose behind a woman uh, being obedient and still submitting and respecting uh, her her husband, even yeah. if he's a non-believer. Yeah. And God has incredibly designed that. Though this seems counterintuitive, he's in, he's designed within this that this is a way that he softens your husband's heart. Yep. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. And and again. Every every one of us, every Christian, in any circumstance you find yourself in, no matter how hard it might be or how much suffering there is involved, and you have to ask yourself the question: what what honors and, and pleases God here? Mm-hmm. And He has told you, He has told Peter has flat out being inspired by the Holy Spirit. God's very word is saying that when a woman submits to her husband, even though he's a non-believer, that is it, in God's sight, it's very precious. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. And wow. <laughs> like it's incredible. Yeah. Now No, it's really good, right? I just find it interesting because again, First Peter is a whole in a sense, here's this instruction manual on dealing with persecution and oppression, right? Yeah. And, and in yeah. the middle of it, in the middle of it, I guess we already said this, but like in the middle of this conversation about okay, how do you Christian, how do you deal with a world that's against you, oppressing you, persecuting you, bringing trials against you? How do you deal with that? And he's going through here and saying, this is how you deal with it. And specifically now, wife, you got a non-Christian husband. How do you deal with that? Isn't that interesting though, Sam? The first thing is to step into this sphere that we've been unpacking for what, 12 or 13 podcasts now, because actually that's your first line of defense, if you want to say that, even to apologia. This is your first line of getting along with your husband, of loving him, and actually reaching him in the kingdom is yep. this actual thing that we've been unfolding in the scripture from the beginning. Yep. I mean, you, just just stop and ponder that for a moment. It's pretty, pretty awesome. It's incredible. And in and of itself, in and of itself, isn't that an interesting, if I could say, apologetic for what we've been trying to emphasize through this whole thing that God has a plan for men and women? And yeah. he's even saying, when you apply that plan properly, even under oppression and persecution, you have the possibility of seeing your husband uh, one for Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's how wow. that's how great this is. Yeah. And and the the thing is is, <laughs> you know, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to take this too far, but there's there's these hints and these themes you could say, and you put the pieces together a little bit of all these texts. And there is something consistent about the role of a woman in her in in her internal behavior, her gentleness, her quietness, um, and you know this reality that the way she conducts herself, there's just something really powerful about it. Where as a man, more what he's been called to do in a sense is is speaking, and whereas a woman is more called to you know I don't want to take it too far, but behaving you know we're all behaving we're all speaking in a sense but uh what's the pitfall of women you know that that paul was telling titus or timothy basically gossip yeah um is a is a big pitfall of women uh using their words in a bad way whereas here you know the what's what's intuitive about about this situation well the woman would use her words to try to win the husband over that's what's intuitive 
she's going to use her words and she's going to start to get after him with her words and say all these reasons why he needs to come to Christ. Though they're probably true words. And, but he's saying, no, that's not how I designed it. I actually designed it that you're going to win his heart over by your peer conduct, by your, how you live, like, and how you respect him. That's interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. So we could even, you know, I don't want to go too far on this right now, but that's, I think what we've been trying to say, and I think I said it in a podcast or two ago, like, why do we even take the time to, you know, the type of ministry or the calling or the work that you and I do a lot of, Sam, and again, I've been doing it a lot of years, you're on your front end of your years, but it's this work of the evangelist, it's this work of getting the gospel to the world of, of evangelism, discipleship. So why did we spend all this time talking about this, right? And, yeah. and it's part of it. Part of it's because it's a whole cultural mess, and we see this. But a huge part of this, and I think we talked about it before, was that like this is what makes us salt and light in the world. Yeah. Meaning, any time that we step into and speak and proclaim, live out the reality that God has created, that God has called us to, that God has spoken revelatory in his revelation and told us we are salt and light in the world. Yeah. And so the church, God's people, when they live out, if I could say biblical manhood, womanhood, biblical marriage, biblical family, it puts something on display for the world. It actually does. Yeah. Yeah. And so even in this way, it's like, okay, woman, this is the way that you reach your husband. And that's by stepping into this pattern that I've given you from day one, which is the reality of how it was originally made. And when you apply that and live that out before them, that's the witness to the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great imagery. Oh, it's incredible. So, yeah. Right. So now we have verse five, uh, and now Peter grounds it back in, again, the Old Testament, back in this pattern, for this is how... The holy women, you know, notice what he said, the holy women, these women who were saved by God, Old Testament women, um, you know, believe God by faith, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So how did they adorn themselves? How did they internally adorn themselves? By submitting to their husbands, to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So, now people get all worked up about that because, well, you suppose I'm supposed to, you know, all these wives are just supposed to call their husbands Lord or no. Master? <laughs> it's like, like, no, I'm not, no not explicitly, <clears throat> but again, in, in Sarah's case, she honored Abraham and she respected Abraham and she showed that she was, that she respected his authority by calling him Lord. So that was, that was an outworking. That was one way that it expressed itself. Yeah, but there it, is this reality that, yeah, hey. It, and expressed itself culturally there, for sure. Culturally, I mean, yeah. That, that's how so, it would have been played out, yeah. Yeah, but there is this reality that, hey, the, the, the principle is still the same. Uh, there, there should be some type of a, uh, an outward expression that a woman is living uh, submissively to her husband. Yeah, respecting him, yep. Yep. And, you know, we saw in Corinthians that, at least in the assembly, when we were praying and prophesying, that one of those expressions was, and during that time, was head coverings. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's all these there's these expressions of the same principle, that is, that a woman is to adorn herself internally by submitting to her own husband, and there's going to be ways that at, that actually outwardly expresses itself in your in your culture. 
And for Sarah back then and those and those holy women, well, for her it was she she did indeed call Abraham Lord. Yeah. To respect him. Yeah, yeah. And Isn't there's it? something really good about that. Like that's used as a as an example of a holy wife. Like yeah, holy. Yeah. Like that was good that she did that. That was obedient. That actually pleased God. That was precious in the sight of God. Like that's amazing. <laughs> Well, yeah, isn't it, though, that God is grounding all of this even? I mean, we don't need to keep laboring it. We've said creation theology. We've said, you know, Paul, Paul, Jesus grounding it in creation. It's the same thing here. Here's Peter referring yep. to this Old Testament. Yep. Right? Like like this would have been, let's see. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, how many thousands? Uh, well, it would have been like, what would it have been? 20, 25? Yeah, I was going to say 2,500 years before this. He's, that's what I'm saying is that's what he's referring to as the reference point for what this is supposed to look like. Right. So, again, I would just, without keep beating that drum, I just would say when people have this conflict culturally in this discussion with me, I want to go, man, this, this pattern went across all these different cultures and all these different people for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Peter's grounding it in that, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yep. So... So, and then, you know, here we have this reality. Uh, if you remember Galatians 3.28, this this kind of fits in a little bit, but like, and you, you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So remember in Galatians 3.28, you know, those who come to, to you know, to Christ through faith, uh, they are children of Abraham. They're the true children of Abraham, which yeah. means they are, in a sense, the true, the true children also of Sarah because... Yeah. You know, Sarah was Abraham's wife. Yeah. And, and through Isaac, their child, uh, you know, did this promise carry through. So there's this reality that, you know, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And again, he's talking to women here. So that's a that's an incredible, incredible thing. Yep. Um, incredible. So now uh, Peter switches a little bit, and now he, he, he's been talking directly to wives, which is an interesting insight because here you have this letter, and the fact that he is, you know, you can, you can look at the the gender of the pronouns that are used and the words that are used, and he, he was speaking to women, to wives. So this assumes, and uh, you can figure out that, hey, this letter was supposed to be read to the whole oh, yeah. assembly, men yeah. and women. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. It's incredible. So yeah, yeah. women are also to learn theology and to be totally informed on all of this stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, but now verse seven, he switched to talking to husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Very interesting. So, well, for, you know, first of all, Sam, though, notice you husbands in the same way. Yeah. Remember, we back up in three one in the same way. What's the same way? The same way is as Christ yep. lived, yep. with with your focus on what the Lord. Focus on the cent yep. the centrality of your life is you're focusing on the Lord and how He would have you live and how he, what He yep. would want you. Do. You're entrusting Himself to you. He is the guardian and shepherd of your soul. Uh, yes. So husbands, in the same way. Yeah. Focusing on the Lord. What are you supposed to do? What is your calling? What is your focus as you stand before the Lord and do what you're supposed to do? Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Live with your wives in an understanding way. So, you know, there's this, there's this reality that, and we've seen it throughout history, that 
uh, women or men can abuse this authority that they've been given, the mm-hmm. strength that they've been given, um, uh, and they can live in a non-understanding way and kind of be, you know, we might use the word domineering. Um, and so that's a reality, and Peter knows this. So he's flat out saying, you know, and as Paul said to in to the Ephesian church, you know, hey, love your lives, your wives like Christ loved the church. He la- he laid his life down for her, and in this way, you know, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Now, why, as the weaker vessel? Uh, so, you know, she here's we ha- we have this interesting thing. The woman is called the weaker vessel. Now. We see in other places in Scripture. Actually, I think Second Timothy. We see it very explicitly. This reality that we are we are vessels. We are considered to be vessels, uh, uh, and you know we're. I think Second Corinthians too are also broken vessels. We're broken jars because we're we've been marred by sin and we have these fallen bodies. But we're vessels nonetheless, and we're supposed to be vessels for honorable use, as as Paul says in Second Timothy. Uh, b- basically vessels that get, that can hold good, clean drinking water, not vessels that are, you know, supposed to be for, you know, crap or something. Um, but, you know, make yourself a vessel for honorable use. Uh, so we're, vessels just synonymous with your life, your body, you know, who you are. Um, so women are the weaker vessel, which implies that men are the stronger vessel. Now, Certainly, our minds jump all over the place on what that actually means. Well, it can mean a few things, and likely, probably, is a combination of things. Um, certainly, you could take it pretty literally in that, yeah, men are just physically stronger, and they're just they're just strong. They have stronger bodies, stronger vessels, and women have weaker, less strong uh, vessels. And you can attribute that to testosterone, <laughs> and and that's how God made that men. To be stronger. Why? Because they're called to protect the family, protect and provide. And and we got into the, some of that in the previous episodes here when we talked about uh, uh, you know men being stronger, and and that when a man uses his strength for good, it's a wonderful thing. But if he he abuses it, you know, obviously that's that's bad. But there is this reality: men are stronger. They they are the stronger vessel. Women are the weaker vessel. So, in a physical sense. Yes, like if you don't, if you treat your wife in a domineering, harsh way, uh, she's a weaker vessel. If this means physical, yeah, that could mean that she's actually getting physically abused. It could mean that. Um, it also, what, you know, this is where I tend to lean. Uh, I think it has a plethora of meanings, but I tend to lean more heavily on this one as the primary one. Dan might uh, see what you say, but I, I tend to think it's more of an emotional strength. Um, and I, I, I made the phrase and Piper has, has said it. I, I somewhat paraphrased Piper that in the, in the qualifications of an overseer, uh, it's implied that one of these, that this qualification is an emotional backbone, um, that a man can handle a lot of distress and a lot of chaos and a lot of crazy things. And he's not going to freak out. He's going to stay calm. He's going to stay focused. He's going to stay, uh, you know, keep going towards the goal. Uh, it's not going to rock them. That's why men often can fight wars and be in the middle of a trench and see people getting blown up beside them and continue to press forward uh, and fight this war and win this battle. There's something emotionally about a man uh, that he has a, an emotional backbone. And you might even physiologically, you might even be able to somewhat attribute that to testosterone again. 
And, you know, if you want to think about it that way, I, I, you know, I don't need to, you don't need to go there, but it's an interesting thing. Like there is something that testosterone does kind of give you, uh, somebody a little bit more of an emotional resilience. Um, but nonetheless, like in, it's kind of, it feels like one of these things that we don't want to say, uh, you know, it's a stereotype where women are more emotional than men and, and you hear it all over the place. You hear it in the non-Christian world. You hear it in the Christian world. You hear it by all, you know, there's a stereotype. And there is a grain of truth to it. And it's not that men don't have emotions. Like, they are, in a sense, in one way, they are just as emotional as, as women. But what? But there is something about, it's hard to put a pin on or how to define it. Maybe that's why we don't like to talk about it. But there is this, like, level, like, a woman is a little bit more easily rattled. When, when something's happening, when there's chaos, when there's dysfunction, when there's, when there's an enemy coming after you or there's opposition, she, she's a little bit more rattled. She takes it a little bit more harshly or hardly, you could say, than, than the man does. There's something really true about that, I think. And I kind of think that's what this is saying. Hmm. Uh, that, hey, if you're going to be a domineering husband and you're not going to uh, live with your wife in an understanding way, you're really going to crush her. Like not yeah. physically, I'm saying, but emotionally. Like it's you're really gonna hurt her. So you're emphasizing the emotional part of it right now. I, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, I think I think the emphasis is more emotional than than physical. But it could, I I think it probably means both because yeah, but you see both expressed in 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 reality. Yeah. So you know what's really interesting is that uh, when you study this and you look at commentaries, there is this um, as you live with. Literally, one commentary literally would have said, as you live with, probably refers to sexual intercourse. Believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> literally, probably, I mean, there's, you know, a prominent evangelical theologian, biblical scholar would say, no, that, that's probably very much what it means. It means as you live with, as you engage with, with this life together, that includes sexual intimacy, that includes sexual intercourse, and of course, all the ramifications of living together. So there is the emotional component. But I just found that interesting. Let me just say it that way. I don't even know, what the, but this whole life of living with this woman, uh, there's this, because look what he says, you treat her with honor. There's this honor, there's this yeah. respect in which the way you are to treat her. Yeah, you kind of, you almost think, I've heard it said like, you, you treat her like fine china. Yeah, yeah, like, and so it's very but, delicate, wonderful, right. beautiful thing. Right, and you got you, you can't just throw her around like. Right. Well, and again, like remember, remember a, who Peter, but remember Sam, who Peter's writing to. That's why this becomes valuable. You got to step back a minute. It's easy for us to put ourselves in this position, but you got to step back. These were pe people uh, that came from a pagan world, and he's writing yeah. to men and women, and he's writing yeah. to these men now, and in a sense, saying when you live with your wife, okay, in part. She's not just a sexual object, dude. Like, right. And that would have been easy. I mean, guys go there real quick. Oh, yeah. Still it's today, not, that, man. Right. Well, that's sex, my point. So, you Sex could, trafficking is, is huge. Right. So you could go there pretty quickly as far as an application. But just, again, get the context here. He's writing to this Christian, and he's saying, uh, man, uh, treat your wife rightly. Yeah. She is the weaker vessel. You don't get to just take advantage of her. You don't get right. just to use her for some object. Uh, right. You are to care for her in gentleness and respect. And we have lots of other passages that tell us that sort of thing. Yeah. But, but again, the context is in the same way. So the point is, as you focus on the Lord, as the Lord, and you jumped ahead uh, even later in, in chapter 3, you know, Christ as Lord, 
as you focus yeah. on the Lord, he's the guardian shepherd of your soul. Your example is Jesus. Um, as you do this, you treat your wife right. Yeah. And, and he even says, uh, uh, you husband, the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. So even as someone weaker, because she is a woman, she's different than you. She's more yep. sensitive to you. She's probably more relational in some ways. Again, yep. I know the bell-shaped curve thing, and people could get all worked up about exception. But generally speaking, there's these truths. She's yep. more sensitive to things. She's more intuitive to things. Um, physically, sexually, a guy goes to a place a lot quicker than a wife does. You know, we could, you know, and, and anybody that's married or even non probably understands that to some degree. What I'm saying. Um, there's this gentleness, this honor, this respect. Look at her. And show her honor as a what? Fellow heir of the grace of life. Yep. And, and so it's this, it's this whole respect about this whole life with her. Right. So so anyway, so that's, I, I don't know if the words, I, I you know, they, I would have to do more of a, a word search on that. I can't remember. I don't think I did a lot in it, but I found it interesting that, um, again, you know, an evangelical commentator would go there and say that really is a part, a part of that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in, 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 we all, again, it's one of those things that we all know by experience and we all know just intuitively, you know, by our varying relationships. You know, yeah. we, we get this. We understand this very clearly. Yeah. Yet it's like so like, <gasps> oh, I can't believe you would actually say that a woman is a we, is weaker than a man. Well, we all get this. You know, like yeah. it's, it's obvious. Yeah. But again, it's not saying that she's inferior. Or less than. Yeah, it's yeah, and, and that I think that's a, and that's the thing you have to emphasize. Weaker doesn't mean inferior. No, it doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean inferior. Sometimes it means more valuable. Often the weaker things are, are like again like this very fine china. It's like yeah, actually very go. valuable. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's worth protecting, and it's beautiful, and it's elegant, and it's right. It, like that's it's it's very much that type of a picture. Yeah. And so she needs to be. It's a wonderful thing, and that's how again that's how God designed it. He could have designed the woman. You know, even 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 think of it this way. He could have designed the woman with all of her sexual organs and the procreation would still work the same way, but, you know, just as strong as the man. She, he could have done that. And, but he didn't. Isn't that fascinating? It's mm -hmm. actually fascinating to me. Like, you know, he actually, God actually designed, chose to design the woman as this more delicate, weaker, you know, Again, like even the figure of a woman, like a man is very rigid and boxy. A woman is more like, you know, curvy, we would say. Like there is really something there. Like it's incredible. So it's it's for a purpose. And again, then he, he – this is – Peter gives us the reason of why since they are heirs with you of grace of life. So here's, the, here's where, you know, we've – our culture is so fixated on this whole equality, equality, equality thing. Equity, equity, equity. But the only equality that the Bible ever mentions or talks about is that of dignity, honor, worth, value. So they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Yeah. You are co-heirs together. Yep. There you go. You're both on the same plane here. Yep. You're both image bearers of God. You're both going to inherit, you know, this inheritance in heaven stored up for you. It's an incredible thing. But in the way God designed the man and the woman, the woman is a weaker vessel, the man is the stronger vessel, the man is the authority, the woman is to submit, 
There's different roles and there's distinctions there. Though they're equal in the only sense of the uh, of of equality that the Bible mentions, equality in honor, dignity, worth, and value. Yep. So then this is finally we'll wrap it up here. It's going to be one of our quickest ones. <laughs> so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, that is incredible. God is so genius that he put, he, he <laughs> like, again, remember, Peter's being inspired by the Holy Spirit here to, to, to write God-breathed words, and God is, is saying, hey, if you do not treat your wife correctly and honor her, I'm not going to answer your prayers. My, your, you as the husband, your relationship with, with me, God, is going to be strained if you do not treat your wife properly. I'm not going to answer your prayers. They're going to be hindered. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and, but yet again. Well, whew. I would just say even to that, the women listening, think about this. This is, this is... <laughs> This is the high value of a woman in light of even marriage and even the way God's made a woman a female. In light yeah. light of God, that he literally puts it at this high of a level to the point that you're, you are such fine china. You are such yeah. a profound uh, vessel, a profound creation that the man can't misuse you. And if he, no. if he does, he's not even going to be in sync with God. No. It's not going to happen. Nope. If you want to be in sync with God, you better be in sync with this woman and care for her rightly. Yep. See, that's yep. that's so serious to me, and it, I don't know. It's so serious because here's it where I here's where I get. I think of this like inversely. I go, okay, the the roles are reversed in this. Let's say in this Christian household, and the, and the woman's going out and working this career and being mm-hmm. a career woman and be, trying to be independent and doing her own thing. Like, does that count? We're kind of getting into, I guess this kind of question is a little bit application-centered, but like, does that count as a, as a man not caring for her, his wife in a in a correct way where he's he's let her go do this this thing and, and leave her sphere, and now is his prayers going to be hindered because of that? Oh, maybe. I would go there. <laughs> <sighs> well, that, it, it, well, it's it's so serious. It's just so serious that mm-hmm. your relationship with God and your intimacy with God hinges on how you treat your wife. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's telling. That's a high that's what, exactly what he's saying. It's yeah. exactly what he's saying. Yeah, he's, it, it, you, yeah. And yeah, you can't just, you know, I hear this whole thing. You know, this is more of like a, 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 a non-Christian thing to say. A Christian that thinks they're a Christian. They go, well, well, I pray. Well, I pray all the time as though that's like this somehow really religious thing to do and it's just good that you pray and God always hears you and it's like this wonderful thing. It's like, you know, hey, you could actually be a Christian, saved by God, sealed with the Spirit, and if you don't treat your wife well, God decides, nope, your prayers are going to be hindered. I'm not I'm not answering your prayers until you start treating your wife better. And in that way, like, basically that's saying like, hey— yeah, my your relationship with God's going to be strained. You're not gonna you're not gonna feel His presence as much. You're probably gonna fall into other forms of of temptation and sin. Uh, your your uh, 
things you ask for um, and certain favors that you might ask from God, like financial things and guidance in certain ways, like all that, just like that's effective. Like that's crazy, but yeah. that's certainly going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's not something to take lightly. This isn't, that's yeah. what I've been trying to, hopefully it's been, we've been clear about this. This isn't just like, this isn't just some like, you know, we have these um, theological triage things where we, we order uh, the importance of certain doctrines on on how they may affect you know you know first tier doctrines if you if you disbelieve or disagree on the nature of God as triune and Jesus as fully man and fully God and the nature of salvation by faith alone like if you disagree with those types of doctrines you're not a Christian we we call those first tier and then we we try to order other doctrines and we we might put certain doctrines down on like an opinion level third tier not that big of a deal not going to affect things that much. Uh, but this is not that. This is not third tier stuff. This is this is this is a very very high tier doctrine. Mm-hmm. Very big stuff. This affects even your prayers, even your very intimacy with God Himself. This affects that how you operate as a man and woman. It affects uh, God softening uh, the heart of a non-believing spouse, a husband. It affects that type of stuff. This affects everything. It affects yeah. children. It affects society. It affects everything. Well, can I? Can it I affects say, your sanctification. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying that, but I, I, can I make an extension here? So this is a little bit of me, um, probably preaching a little bit, taking, uh, 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 yeah, moving to an application of the text a little bit more, and it, uh, stretching it out a little bit. Yeah. Because I also know Sam just. There's probably single guys, young guys listening to this. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Say, well, I'm not married. Okay, but but guy, listen to me. Listen to me. Like, this is about the treating of women with honor. Yeah. And everybody that you're, all these women that 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 you're around and you see and you're exposed to in the world, are going to potentially be somebody's wife, most likely. Mm. And and you have been called to honor women, and. Someday you're going to have a wife that you're going to need to honor. And so this is one of the great devastations that I, I wish even young men would get their mind around. You know, like I, I'm a man. I get I get the attraction. I get the, the sexual temptations of the world. And I'm not trying to go down the whole world, but just even think of pornography. Like this is the, the woman that's given herself over to pornography is a woman that's looking for something. If I could say it in the proper way, like she's a damaged woman, meaning like, not inferior men like 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 she's in a terrible place yeah to put herself in that position in that 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 situation and as a man she's not just an object she's actually somebody's daughter she's she's actually this woman and yep. and you got to get beyond that she's just this image on a paper it's a real human being and by you uh, uh, fantasizing, doing something in your mind with this image of this woman is dishonoring her. Mm. Is, is where I'm trying to go with this. And yeah, if men could somehow, increasingly as Christians, get that in their mind, it's not just about you having a sexual temptation. It's like you're exploiting. Yeah, this woman. You are dishonoring mm. this woman. Mm. And. And, and it's just, and it's so da- damaging. And so even that, even that, I, mm-hmm. I would want to say young, married guys too, but young single guys, when when you right. in, indulge in that kind of uh, 
uh, sinful fantasy world, um, your prayers are hindered. Like, like, like your relationship with God is a mess. Yeah. And, and it will be a mess. And again, I'm a guy. I get the temptation. I understand. I'm not stupid. But my point is, is like you are to rigorously battle that, stay away from that, fight against that. And every time that you have a temptation to go there, you need to seriously consider that this is a woman. This is yeah. a real woman. This is a real, some again, somebody's wife, somebody's daughter. Some, it's it, it really is. Now, maybe it's easier for me to say that as a guy that's got daughters and some of you might say that, but like, I really believe this. I think you need to get that in your head. And so this application, while we're talking husbands and wives, I'm just, I obviously I'm preaching to men here, but I'm just saying, listen, you're supposed to honor women. Mm-hmm. Don't you? And, I, and, and I've seen this and probably there's been a, a recent circumstance I had that was very, uh, uh, very real to me in this because I kept saying, guys, this isn't a discussion about, art or other stupid stuff this is about the exploitation of a woman and young men need to know that this is the exploitation of a woman right and i'm not just some old-fashioned dude this is about respecting a woman opening a door for a woman Uh, a woman has a a, a, i remember my girls one time telling me about they were down in in a town and they had a flat tire and they were there they were they were dressed up for the night going out somewhere they were teenagers one might have been 19, the other one, you know, 17 or something. And they're trying to change the tire on this car. And even a guy, there was a guy I actually knew that walked by and, oh, hi, girls. And he kept walking by and just went on his way. <laughs> and I'll never forget him. Like, Dude, these are two young women. It was, you know, in the evening. It was starting to get dark, trying to change a tire in a parking lot. And it's like, don't you, you know where I'm going. I'm like, don't you get it? Like, <laughs> like, and you, I, it's almost weird that I have to tell people that, but like, no, you've been called to honor this woman, mm-hmm. right? She, she's a queen. She's a daughter of the king, as I say it, like, like she's somebody's daughter and you've been called to honor her and not just again. So I, I'm not trying to totally go to the pornography thing, but I'm just simply saying, guys, get this in your head. You are called to honor women. So learn how to do it. This isn't just mm-hmm. chivalry. This isn't being just cool and hip and GQ or whatever somebody's thinking. It's like, no, no, you've been called by God to honor a woman. Yeah. And someday you're going to have a wife that you're going to spend the rest of your life learning to honor. <laughs> yeah. And your relationship with God is going to be absolutely connected to it. That's it's so it's it's just so incredible. And, and you're and not God gonna, designed it that way. Yep, that's my point. So yep. I hope I, I hope I didn't preach too much, but I hope no, I that's good. I, but I hope I did. Preach and persuade. You need to, you preach need, and persuade. Well, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. Guys yep. need to hear we, this. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, so now we uh, we have wrapped up our our survey of the Bible. Um, again, like I said, we haven't by no means been exhaustive, but we certainly did touch most of what is often you know touched on in 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 discussions on the roles of men and women in the church. Uh, tried to look at most of those places that are, you know, the most contentious of passages. Hopefully, if you listen to the whole series or if you, you know, you've dropped in on a few of the different episodes, hopefully you learned something and were helped. But we're going to move on to application now. So really, kind of as just a little bit of a preview for that, I mean, hopefully, I mean, if you're listening to this and if you live in America especially, like, you know the you know the days we're living in. 
you know what's going on. You're not ignorant. You know, you know, uh, hopefully you're not. <laughs> hopefully you, you just, you're just looking out and just, we just live in a time where the, the application of a truly biblical expression of manhood of womanhood is, uh, this, this, the, the cards are stacked against us. The deck stacked against us. It really is. Like, Satan has in the world, in the secular world, has made a true expression of manhood and womanhood like hard to do, in a sense. Like, it's, it, by no means does it limit us. Like, no, we are still to live out our, you know, our our mannishness and our woman womanness or feminine. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> our femininity and masculinity, as God has designed us to do. But let me tell you, there there is a lot of things working against that in our in our day and age in our society so this this topic of application is going to be it's going to be hard i'm not going to lie like it's going to be really hard for us to to really be you know we're going to try to be as helpful and as and as explicit as we can be but there's there's also realities where man there's some complex situations you can find yourself in today and there's just a lot on the line. But again, what's 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 Jesus say? You know, there's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Christ. This whole book of First Peter is wrapped up in this, hey, you've been called to suffer for righteousness. Mm-hmm. And if you live truly as a man and truly as a woman, as God has designed you, there's going to be a cost in this life, without a doubt. But God has called you to it. And so hopefully that's what you have ringing in your mind and as your foundation, as we start to get into application, because we're likely going to say some things that are going to be hard to hear and hard to swallow. And if you think about applying it to your life, you go, man, there's going to be a cost. Uh, there's going to be a relational cost. There's going to be a financial cost. There's going to be a career cost. There's going to be a lot of costs. But but I, do I know, do I believe that God's called me to suffering for righteousness, righteousness sake? to follow after the example that Christ gave. That's what we have to understand. Always go back to that. So that's where we're going. And we'll, we'll, we'll lay that out again. You know, this whole, this whole, uh, you know, grounding of living for the glory of God in all areas of your life. We're always remembering that. And then, you know, then we'll start to get into some details of situations you could find yourself in, in, in today's society, whether, careers and education and varying relationships and all this stuff. So that's where we're going. I don't know how many, I really don't know how many episodes we'll do on application. I would imagine a couple at least. Uh, uh, and then we'll see from there. Uh, there certainly is a lot we could say, especially today, but hopefully you've enjoyed the series. And, uh, again, if you have, I encourage you to, to share this podcast with others to get the word out. Um, certainly you, certainly we want people to listen. Uh, and if you listen on like a Apple podcast or something like that, you can, you can subscribe, uh, and you can leave a rating and apparently, uh, a rating, uh, helps for searchability. So, or discoverability. So people want to search a passage, the more ratings, uh, we have the, the easier it is for this, these episodes to be found by somebody just randomly searching. So that's, I think that's cool. So if you'd be so kind, we'd really appreciate that. But again, thanks for listening. Tune into the next episodes. Uh, have a good day. Bye.